Good afternoon. It's Wednesday, January 28th, and you're tuned into a totally different reality. My name is Julia Sotis, and I'm your host. Today on the show, I have George Carroll. Um, I, my fondest memory of George is him wearing a Elmo toque at an Access Consciousness class in Costa Rica. And he just came into class wearing it proudly. And he's always having so much fun. And he's a really, really interesting character. Uh, so welcome on the show, George. Thanks for having me, Julia. Appreciate it. Yeah. So you've recently written a book uh, called The Homeless Motivational Speaker. Um, and you spent eight months of your life homeless. Is that correct? Yeah, about eight and a half months. It was a pretty crazy adventure for sure. So, so did you? You obviously did this by choice. I'm hoping. Yeah, it was sort of a little bit of both. It was like being guided by something greater than me, and then also choosing to go with the guidance and not fighting it. So, it was really a journey in surrendering because I had, you know, I built my life from a place of utilizing money and utilizing physical possessions as a way to find value in myself. And so there was a, an attachment there and the, the, my homeless journey, and we'll probably go into more detail about it, but the homeless journey um, really helped me break those attachments and break those addictions. Hmm, that's really neat. So what, were you in the United States? Yeah, mostly in the at United the States. Um, and at the time I was living in San Diego and I was just kind of, I remember going to an Access 2 and 3 in, in San Francisco with Gary while I was living in San Diego. And during that four days, like we broke down some very old internal structures of mine that had been operating for a long time. And that was actually the beginning of the collapse. And I think that was August of 2013. And then over the next three or four months is when like, just the crumbling and the collapsing of those internal structures guided me just to go and, and surrender all of my belongings and, and um, really surrender control. And along the way, I had so many powerful breakthroughs. My world was turned inside out, and I never looked back. Hmm, that's pretty neat. Um, so you started out in San Diego. I'm, like, interested in the physical journey. Like, where did you, what did you, where did you sleep? Well, at times at I friends' houses. Yep, at at times I couch surfed at my friend's house. At times I crashed at my parents' place. At times I crashed in my car. At times I crashed in airports, and it was it was quite the adventure. Hmm. That is quite the adventure. It'd be a humbling adventure. Yeah, that's definitely mm -hmm. a way to put it. And you know, there was what was really powerful for me during that time was there was this point in time when I was being guided to surrender and I didn't really know what I was surrendering into. So I sort of was asking questions to the universe. I was like, okay, what am I surrendering into? And, and later I learned that if you, if you know what you're surrendering into, it's not really surrender. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's still kind of a bit of a controlled surrender, maybe kind of. Yeah. Well put. That's perfectly put. And so, <laughs> I didn't get any awareness from asking that question, so I just I said, okay, I'll, I'll surrender. And, and I didn't know what I was surrendering into, but I was delivering a three-day event in Denver called Adventures in Transformation, and there was about 30 people there. And I was being guided. I got the awareness that I was to surrender my business and surrender my money flows because these are the things that I've, I had used for such a long time to, uh, to define myself and my self-worth and value. 
And so, so what do you mean by surrender your money flows? Like, what would that look like? That's the, that's the question, isn't it? It's like, I had no idea what that was going to look like, but that's what I was being guided to do. Cause it, so what is that? I'm curious, what does that bring up for you when the concept or the idea of surrendering your money flows, what does that mean to you? Well, for, like, for me personally, it would be just not having money as an issue. It wouldn't mean like giving away all your wealth. It would mean actually destroying all of the ideas all the places where you use money to limit yourself or like, you know, buying the cheaper item on the shelf because the one you don't really want because you've decided that you don't have enough or there's lack in the world. Yeah. So it was definitely not that for me. Um, Okay. It was about being willing to literally live without money. Okay. And that was the surrender that I was being guided into because I think so many people have this addiction or attachment to money and rarely do we think about what would our lives be without it. And for me, and this was just my journey, I'm, this is not anybody else's journey, this is my journey, and as I'm on it, I'm being guided to surrender my money flows. And so I, you know, I would go through this really powerful breath work session with two of my favorite uh, transformational artists, and after it, I got super clear that that's what I was going to do. I was going to surrender my my business and just completely stop my money flows. It, it, at least that's what I was guided to do. And so I made the announcement at the end of the event to wrap it all up, and I had this huge emotional release, like this this energy just left me as I was sharing it, and I took this big deep breath in, and I was like okay, all right, what's next? You know, because I had, I had like agreed and surrendered it. And then a few days later, I was hiking with my friend, you know, Heather Nichols, I was hiking with her out in, uh, in Boulder, Colorado. And as we were hiking, I was telling her like, I'm, you know, I'm going to surrender my money flow, surrender my business. And she's like, well, what are you going to do? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to run your business? I was like, I don't know, but you're freaking me out. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, but just, you know, please support me. I have no idea what this is going to look like. I'm a little bit afraid right now, and I have no clue what this is going to be like. And then a few days later, this was, this was the big change. Um, a few days later, I got this awareness, and I had this, this sense of freedom that I had never felt before around money, but I got this awareness that it was never about not having money. It was never about not having a business. It was about being willing to surrender my attachment to it. So, right. So it moved me, and this was like sort of the core of my homeless journey. This is, I I believe, what I went on the journey for was to surrender operating my life out of necessity and stepping into choice. And that was the, the gigantic shift that I made along the way. And since then, my life has just been a whirlwind of just possibilities and opportunities showing up like crazy. Hmm. That's really neat. So, so you did that for eight months, and then what made you make the choice to go back to having a home? Yeah, I, I knew that I wasn't going to force uh, myself to get a place that I was really allowing it to show up naturally. And so there was this place in Loveland, Colorado called Sunrise Ranch, and it's a, an intentional community where about, oh, 70 to 100 people live. And in that community, um, I had sort of been getting this nudge to go check it out. And so I met with the, the founder uh, who lives up there a couple of times, and everything just naturally fell into place. And we worked out this thing where I got to live there for free, and, and I simply just contribute to the community in, in any way that I could. 
And so I ended up staying there after my homeless, after eight and a half months of being without a home, I ended up staying there for about six months. But it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to search for it. It was, it was really about having trust and having faith that I was supported and that I would be supported at the perfect times. So, I mean, really, I mean, my life has, has shifted so much out of force and push and really has stepped into more of a feminine, um, nurturing sort of allowance type place where things are happening naturally while I'm taking really massive action, but it's not from a place of fear of something not happening. It's from a place of just knowing that there's so much out there. So right. it's crazy. Yeah, it's, I think like because the way that we're taught to live is out of, you know, what do I have to do? Where do I have to be in order to survive and not destroy this relationship or this friendship? And that's like what you're talking about is a really different place. It's actually everything is, is a choice that you can have or not have, but nothing's out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hell, some people never ever go through their lives operating from necessity. And, but for me, it was, it was, it was a huge shift. Like, like it's it's hard to define the distinction, but the shift in in just awareness and the shift in beingness is is so huge. Yeah. And, and and how about for you? Have you ever had to make that shift, or have you pretty much always had a life where you've got to live by choice? Um, it's been a shift. I I think that my life was has a lot more choice probably than most people's. I I you know I come from a really happy family, but also a really really weird and wacky and hysterical family. So there was no, you know, push to be anybody for anybody else. Um, But no, like the last four years of my life, um, like with access consciousness has been pretty cool because I'm fine. And it didn't, it wasn't, it was fast. It was probably faster than most people because I was like, I'm just going on this ride and I'm going as fast as I can. And so I, I really, really pushed myself. And some of the demons that came through, you know, just like I went through times that were incredibly depressing as like all of this suppressed crap was coming out of me. Um, and now I don't really do anything that I don't want to do. And I don't feel obligations to anybody or anything. So that's pretty amazing. <laughs> Oh my and it was, God. it was just a choice. It was like, I'm going to do this and I'll do what I have to do to make it happen. And whatever kind of book I had to read or clearing statement or, and sometimes it was access and sometimes it was not access, but just, and the choice to just put myself out there, like even starting this radio show, it was like some of my first radio shows are not very good radio shows but I was like I have to be able to talk to people I have to be able to do this because I'm just not free at all I just am so worried about where other people are judging me so doing it's just like the push to I'm going to do this I and it's not a force it's just I'm going to do this I have to do because I can't live by these obligations or this guilt anymore Mm, yeah totally and imagine what would it be like if Everybody were living their life from this place of total choice. Whew. I don't know. <laughs> What's that going to take? Um, and I, I think that it was, it's a work in progress for me anyways, because doing things just for the sake of doing them is, that's 
something that not very many people are taught to do. Like in university, I was an A plus student. I was just awesome and I could get anything done. And now that I'm like creating different art projects and doing a lot of art, a lot of fashion, a lot of, um, I just put on an expo. Like there's not, I don't have to do it. There's nobody out there saying, Julia, you have to put on this expo to, to, you know, there's just nobody saying that. I just have to do it because I want to do it. And that's really hard. And that's something that if you can learn how to actually, like, just do because you can, like, that, I just feel like that's so unheard of. And that's probably the biggest freedom that I've gotten. Oh, my God. Yeah, totally. And, you know, going back, moving backwards to that four-day level two and three in San Francisco with Gary, the, the, the thing that he said that reverberated in my mind over and over and over again, there were two things. He said, George, if you want to ha- step into the greatness of you, you have to be willing to let what's not the greatness of you to die. And that really rang to the core of me <laughs> at, at that time. Yeah. And then the second thing he said, is like, if, if you truly desire to have it all you have to be willing to lose it all yeah and so those two things man they just like snuck in and destroyed all sorts of things unconsciousness within my universe and as a result of it like that's what happened I was willing to lose it all physically emotionally energetically and now as as I watch my life being rebuilt and as it continues to expand it's it's so there's so much more ease and i think because it comes from that place of being in allowance and not force or control mhm yeah it's a big it's a big thing to like the the i think that we all go a little too lightly like on ourselves about what we've actually accomplished with this like to to truly truly not be afraid of death, not need any possessions, you know, not need a family, not need a house, not need a job, not need any obligations is absolutely like, who does that? Like, that's amazing. Mm. And then to do that, but to also then rebuild and make choices with no external motivation trying to get you to do it. Mm-hmm. That's like, wow. I think that we should, I feel like we talk about it so lightly sometimes, but it's really, it's really amazing. And I'm glad that you wrote a book about it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So it's, I mean, when you think back into your life, I'm sure there were certain like cataclysmic events or conversations that you had that totally shifted you into new directions of your life. Can you think of any like that for you? Um, it's a good question. Um, I feel like I've had like 17 in the last 24 hours. (laughs) (laughs) It never ends. I was talking to somebody today and they're like, I like to be slow. Like I, you know, have an epiphany now and then, but, and I'm like, I have an epiphany every hour on the hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I think that, I think that, um, The willingness for me personally to not need a man has been a really, really rough journey. And I'm not, 
I wouldn't say I'm totally free of that need or at least buying that need as real. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people and it's just like to get that, that, that need. I, I mean, I grew up in a, on a, you know, in a good farm family and it truly, truly makes me happy to, you know, cook for the men and, and look beautiful and, you know, go out on dates and just please men. And that has nothing to do really with who I actually am. Like there are elements, like I love doing those things and I love making people happy, but it was like this raw, clenching, pedantic need. And so that's been a huge journey. And and I mean, there's been so many just like, like looking at situations or relationships and being like, is this actually making me a better person? Or is this just, is, am I just trying to fill a need here? Totally. So, you know, that's but, a big one. Oh my gosh. It's a fun conversation to have. Cause it's, I, I've been sort of forced to look at it lately too. I've moved to Portland and I've met so many like amazing women here and it's brought up a lot of like my old paradigm relationship models. And, yes. and so what I've been realizing is how much, I even wrote this down because it's so powerful, like how much I unconsciously have been trying to make me their everything and how I've been unconsciously trying to make them my everything. Right. And it's, and it's like how much pressure was I putting on my, in the old paradigm of relationship um, in order to keep that in place. And I was having a conversation with somebody recently and we're talking about love and, and how, like, can you love somebody without needing them and can you be loved without being needed? And so it feels like there's like this huge shift happening with relationships and the old model, the old paradigms of, you know, uh, till death do us part and all that crap is really, feels like it's going away. At least in my world it is and something new is being birthed and, um, I'm wondering, what's your awareness around all that? Oh, oh gosh, it's so exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I, I've gone on, like, I have done the exact same things that you're describing. I mean, mine isn't that different. And I really like what you said about can you love somebody without needing them and can you be loved without being needed? And like, I know for sure there's a yes. And it's, it's like the willingness to not, I don't know. I just, I think that the level of space available, like when you actually are, have to be alone or like, like say if every person in the world hated you and vilified you and didn't like you and thought you were disgusting and evil, but you knew who you were and you really liked who you were. Like it doesn't devalue who you are at all. Um, and, and it, when you're needless of people, you can just be you and like who you are. I like, there's just such a strong power in that. And that's, that's what I'm trying. That's what I'm working on getting to. It's It's a long journey. And I think that a big part of it is just like, when I decide I care about somebody, I go into their world and kind of become them. So I don't think I'm as messed up as I think I am. I think it's more of like, I'm just really, I care about the person. So I become them in a sense. 
Yeah, and how common is that? You know, that's, oh. definitely, that's definitely something that I've mastered in, in my world. And I kind of like Dane's analogy when he talks about like getting in a little Mini Cooper, you have to cut off your arm and cut off your leg and just yeah. to fit in their car, you know? Totally. Totally. And so, yeah, well, it's a and fun conversation. It is a fun conversation. And then at the same time, it's like, I think a lot of people come to access consciousness and say, I don't need relationships or I'm needless of everyone. And it's not really true. Like at the same time, who, who will, who can you spend a lot of time with that will make your life greater? And, and like, when I moved to where I'm living now, I moved here three months ago and I didn't really understand this whole conversation. We've been having a lot about, creating your life or uh, sorry committing to your life it's been coming up in access consciousness a lot and I didn't really get what it meant until recently because I you know have a lease on a house and I have you know a job like I I bartend at a bar I do access consciousness and I run other stuff but you know I I commit to doing a few nights a week at the at the bar um and I've, I've committed to a bunch of different things here and like really sunk my teeth into my life and I've never been happier. Whereas before I thought that was like the opposite of consciousness or like how could I get out of it or I wouldn't be doing enough or it's just to this reality. But it's like I've sunk my teeth into these things and I'm actually loving what it's created and it's the happiest I've ever been. And so like like commitment just means like being like I'm here. Like I'll be here to to work at the bar every week. I'll be here with my roommate and our relationship at our house. Like, and I think it's the same for a relationship. Like that's an incredible thing. And I, I think that sometimes it gets vilified a little bit in access. Dan and Gary don't mean to, I don't think, but I think it gets taken that way sometimes as like, you know, like th- there is a certain magic in being willing to be like, I'm here and, and sinking your teeth into something and continuing to, to do it as long as it works for you. Mm-hmm. So. Taking your teeth into something and, and licking it all around. I'm with you. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I did the same thing when I went into Access because I had been so needy in relationships most of my life. And I got to Access and it was this permission to be free, to be a little bit wild, to be a little bit of a, a wanderer. And sort of I used that as a way to detach from a desire to maybe go deeper with people and, and, um, and now I'm finding like kind of a sweet spot for me is that I don't know if I'm open to doing relationship with one person and what I'm really desiring I'm noticing is deeper levels of intimacy and vulnerability um, with the people that I choose to be with and being and playing at the surface just doesn't suffice for me anymore. No, I agree completely. I was like, I can't do another nine, one night stand. Like I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not fun for my body either anymore. <laughs> no, it used to be. Cause it was like, yeah, look at all this sex I can have. And then it's like, <laughs> it's kind of exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Cool. So, so you wrote the book. Um, and I know that you take the book, um, and use it sort of as a basis to talk to different companies. Um, how, what's, how does that look and who do you talk to? Yeah, so I've been building a speaking and training business for the last, oh, six years or so. And it's, it's taken a nice 
shape. And so the book really was an opportunity for me to build a level of credibility within the work that I'm doing and my journey, my story. Um, there's something about when somebody is a published author that puts them on a different level in people's minds. So like when companies hire me, there's, uh, they, they like the fact that I've written a book. They like the fact that I have training content that can help their employees. And so when anybody chooses to write a book, um, they can utilize it as a way to, to leverage their business to, to gain those higher level engagements. And that's what I've done with, um, with my book. And I've got another book coming out to be, or the middle of February called Developing a Healthy Relationship with Money, for high, a guide for high school and college students. And really, that, that book was birthed from my experiences. Not, I mean, my parents, we never talked about sex, and we never talked about money. And so these are the two biggest issues I had growing up. And, you know, I was at a point where I developed a lot of debt in college, and I started pretty much in debt in my, in my corporate environment. I never learned to manage or budget money. And I got into a lot of financial trouble, eventually went into bankruptcy. And so I wrote the book from a place of how can I help, you know, high school and college students become aware of the importance and the joy of having a healthy relationship with money so they can avoid some of the financial pitfalls that most people go through. I mean, 75% of people live paycheck to paycheck. You know, they don't manage their money. They don't budget their money. They don't invest it. 75% of people? 75% of people live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, and, and so much of that I've realized, and it was for me, so much of that is an unhealthy relationship with money because if we, if we have an unhealthy relationship with money, we don't, we're not going to care to manage it or invest it or want it to grow much. You know, we're just going to be unconscious with it. Right. Well, that's really interesting. That's cool. I, I, uh, what's the name of the book? Uh, it's called Developing a Healthy Relationship with Money. A guide for high school and college students, and it was both. It's it's both a heartfelt creation and, and artistic creation for me, and also a strategic creation because there is a lot of money in the in the college sector when it comes to financial literacy because of the amount of issues that people have with money after they graduate with college. And so, I knew that as I was writing the book, and I knew that I could also impact a lot of lives. So. I mean, how does it get any better than making a lot of money and helping a lot of people? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so are you going to be talking to university students, hopefully? Yeah, so I hired a college mentor uh, a few months back with the intention of uh, learning how to dive into the college speaking market. And so, um, yep, that'll be a big part of my business model in 2015. Awesome. Oh, that's exciting. What else do you have planned for 2015? Well, let's see here. Um, I have another program, an online program, and it's, it has to do with book writing. I launched it last year for the first time called Become a Published Author in 126 Days. And basically, it's people from all around the world joining my mastermind and, and um, learning the process and becoming a published author. So I'm launching that mastermind again in April or May. There's it's so much fun watching people go through the transformational process of writing a book. Do you have a book out yet, Julie? No, I don't. Is there it's one not in yours been that... something. I've, no. I've, I would like to start writing fiction, actually, because I tried nonfiction for a long time, and I just didn't, I didn't, it wasn't as fun as inventing stories, so yeah. um, I like stories. 
<laughs> yeah, me too. So that's something I've got planned for this year. Um, and then a big focus I have is doing more and more larger conference-based keynotes. So I have right. a speaking agent I work with there. And really just taking what I'm doing and expanding it, expanding it, expanding it, and expanding it. Right. That's exciting. And, I mean, you've, it's been a long, a long journey, and you've been doing this for a long time, so it's nice to see everything come together. It is. It is, especially when I look back and think of how many times I just wanted to frickin' give up. Um, I'm so happy that I never did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, and it is. It's so easy to give up. I mean, I, I just think it's amazing what you've done. And, and you've done it on your own, and you've, like, totally committed to you've seen the future and what you want to be and who you want to be and who you want to, whose life you want to touch. And you've really, really done it. It's really amazing, George. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Where are you living now? I live in Portland, Oregon. Right. You said that you're meeting lots of wonderful women. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Like talk about creation. It happened so fast. So about three and a half months ago or so I had this hit and this nudge to check out the, the Pacific Northwest. So I open up a map on Google Maps, and I start looking, and I'm like, okay, what the hell's here? And then Portland just kind of lights up at me. So I start researching Portland and, and start getting all excited. The very next day, I was booked for um, a speaking engagement in Portland a couple months after that. So I thought, okay, oh. I'll make it a long weekend. And so I started um, doing some research about Portland and came and, and experienced the city for three or four days fell in love with it, and visited a few apartment complexes and thought, okay, I'm moving to Portland, and uh, just made the move, and it happened so fast. That's <laughs> so funny, because that's exactly how I moved to Brandon. <laughs> Where's where Brandon? I am. It's in, it's a it's about 50,000 people town in Manitoba, Canada. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So, it's a farming community. It's not far from where I grew up, and I just, like, with this wellness expo that I did, I mean, we had one of the, we actually had the biggest turnout of, I believe, any expo in that venue, and it was the first time we did it, um, my friend Robin and I, we put it on, she's a firefighter, so she did it, like, part-time with me, and we just had so much fun, just did it for the hell of doing it, and I couldn't believe the response from the community here. Like, I'm such a community girl, like, like, like student council president, like, let's do activities and get things done. So this place, everybody wants to come out, everybody's looking for things to do, and everybody supports what's going on. So I'm just in dreamland here. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank You're welcome. you. Yeah. Um, this summer, we're doing a, uh, I'm doing a, event uh it's a fundraiser for the restaurant that i work at uh they have a foundation called the keg spirit foundation and it goes to the little sisters and or big sisters and big brothers of brandon and uh we're doing this event called a midsummer night swing and it's gonna there's gonna be a live band and it's gonna be outside this beautiful old you know 1920s building that's actually been turned into a culinary uh university and we're gonna fill the trees with thousands and thousands of white lights and serve wine and cheesecake and then do it as a fundraiser. So it's like all these things. I just get to do them all the time and I have a forum and it's, it's just so easy here. So awesome. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. Cool. Yeah. So, um, 
one other thing I wanted to ask you about is how do you take like negative, like, like people's judgments of you or, you know, negative feedback because you're um, so out there in the world. Um, you know, what tools do you use and how do you, how do you deal with any um, negative um, feedback you might get? What a great question. I was actually having this conversation at lunch with uh, someone I just recently met here in Portland. And it's, it's interesting because initially as I was growing and I was, you know, becoming more known in, in the personal development community, I, I was having this expectation that, listen, I'll just be really liked and nobody's going to judge me. And um, that didn't work out so well. You know? <laughs> well, it doesn't usually. <laughs> right. And I was like, okay, well, that doesn't work here. And so what, what's ha- – like a lot of times we prevent ourselves from me- seeing what's true because we're in this airy-fairy hope land, and that's what I was doing. And so I thought, okay, what's really true here? What's really happening here? I was like – Regardless of how big or how small I am, people judge. All right, I can't yeah. avoid that, and so I just now know that regardless of what happens to me, it's more. It was more of a philosophy and awareness than it than it is a tool. But for me, as I grow bigger and bigger, I just have an awareness that people will judge, and that it has very little, if anything, to do with me. I'm just being the energy that reflects their own judgments of themselves back at them, yeah. and. I get to be the catalyst for them if they choose to look at the trigger, to look at where they're being uh, triggered and to move beyond it. And whether they do that or not is not up to me. That's very, very cool, George. Um, I love that comment. I just thought that, you know, I would go out there and nobody would judge. And it's so interesting to see. It's interesting to see even the people that are already in your life and where they go with it. Cause some people that I thought would be so interested in, you know, having a better life and having consciousness and having more for themselves um, are like, no, like that's just crazy. Get away from me. And then other people that I wouldn't have imagined um, are like, yeah, this is so cool. Like, this is so fun what you're doing. I'm so interested in, in, um, all of these other ways of thinking and stuff. So it's really funny to see um, actually where people go when there there's you know consciousness or um, you know the that energy of allowance put in their world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well put. Yeah, really neat. Well put. And and when we, I notice for me when I when I get triggered by people's judgments and I respond or react to it in any way, I just keep that and I keep that energy in my reality and. When I just stopped responding to it and just observed it and, you know, Axis would call that like kind of saying interesting point of view and just observed it and, and in my mind just think interesting and, and not respond to it in any way, like I would notice that energy subsided, that resistance subsided from my world and it barely shows up anywhere anymore. And if it does, I just don't have any energy. Like it takes way more energy to re- to get triggered and then respond to it to try to be right or try to be superior or whatever it is mm-hmm. than it does just to kind of let it go. And even on Facebook, if I see people who are being douchebags or negative or posting things that I don't want in my universe, I'll unfriend their asses. I have no qualm about that anymore. And so, you know, my question always is like, how can I be in most allowance of me and what I desire and what I want to choose? And then what's not in harmony with that is out. Out, boy, out. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You know, I was in the grocery store today, and I was 
um, kind of like I was being a ditzy, you know, young girl and I was texting on my pink phone and I wasn't really paying attention to people. And I could just feel the judgment from the old man behind me. Mm. And I was like, I was like, that's, that feels good somehow. Like I had no point of view about him. And I was like, he's still projecting energy at me. And there is some, like, there's something there for me to receive. So I received it and it felt good. It was so cool. I was like, huh? Like if you don't have a point of view at all about what somebody is projecting at you, you can receive it as energy to go create something greater. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was really cool. So, yeah, it's really interesting how how we don't have... Nothing is as it appears. Everything can be changed into something else. Yeah, totally. So many ways to dance with all the the different energies out here in the world. It's, I mean, how lucky are we to be alive, really? I mean, and that's one thing I do in the mornings is, like, I have this beautiful view on the 19th floor overlooking uh, the Willamette River in Oregon, and I just embody everything that I'm grateful for and I just look around and how lucky are we to be on a planet that has the perfect amount of oxygen, the perfect amount of water, the perfect temperature in a way that we can live here as long as we, you know, are making conscious choices in what we do with, with the earth. But it's like such a beautiful place. It's such a paradise we get to live on. Yeah, it is. It is really amazing. And we're so quick to look at what's wrong with it rather than what's right with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, it's so good to talk to you. There's just such interesting things to say. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, you too, Julia. Thanks. Um, okay, I always want to ask you this. What was your childhood like? I'm just interested in that. What's your background? Like, what kind of family did you grow up in? I know that it doesn't matter because an infinite being is infinite, but I'd love to hear the stories. Yeah, it's a fun question. You know, I think we're all shaped a lot by our childhood. And for me, I grew up in a neighborhood where I was surrounded by a bunch of kids who were two, three, four years older than me for the most part, and we all played sports all the time. And so I had this love for the game of football, and every time we'd play, I would always have to play up to to these older kids because everybody's faster than me and bigger than me and stronger than me. And by the time I got into organized football where I was playing kids my age, Um, I would just blow it out of the water because I was so used to playing kids that were better than me. And and that was sort of my early childhood conditioning was like falling in love with the game of football and actually having a really great capacity for it. It's what got me into college and helped get me a college degree. And um, that was... Are you serious? You were a big football guy? Oh, yeah. I was... That is so cool. My dream, and I share this with, you know, all my audiences, but my dream uh, from a very young age, five years old, was to play pro football. And uh, my senior year in college, I was 95 yards short of breaking our school record for yards in a career. And in my mind, potentially headed to become a pro football player. And on a harmless run play, I ended up shattering my leg and ankle and shattering my dreams of of playing pro football. And um, that was sort of the, the catalyst that drove me into a really deep state of depression. I started doing lots of drugs and alcohol and moved to Denver, got in the corporate world, got more depressed. And that's when I found personal development was looking and like feeling this pain, this emptiness, this depression and being like, okay, uh, is there something better than this? Because I'm not having that much fun. And that was about a decade ago now. Wow. Yeah. 
Huh. That's neat. What, what state did you grow up in? Colorado. Oh, you're a, front, you're a Colorado guy. Uh-huh. Born and raised in Colorado. Oh, cool. Um, hmm. So what, um, what was I going to say? I wanted to ask you something about how you got in. How did you get into this kind of, of lifestyle? Like, what was the, for me, like, I've been doing it my whole life, and then the, I have the story of, the, the miraculous story of how I found access consciousness. Um, and for you, you've done a lot of other different modalities, too. What, what how did that look for you? Um, yeah, so in, in, after college, I moved to Denver, and, you know, I just followed society's model on how to live life, which was you get a job, you get a raise, you find a girlfriend, you get married, you get a house, you know, have a couple of kids, have a dog, and all that. So that's the model I was following after my dreams fell apart. And so after two and a half years of being in the corporate world, uh, after lots of my, my bosses and managers were literally from the military, so they were very militant and very autocratic leaders. And having a disdain for authority in the first place, that didn't mesh well. And so after about two and a half years, I fell into an even steep, deeper state of depression and literally asked the question, like, why am I on the planet? And a week later, I was in the Denver Public Library, and I came across a book called Unlimited Power by Anthony Robbins. And that book opened the door to the world of personal development for me. And I remember going on this crazy media fast. I stopped listening to music. I stopped watching TV, stopped my cable. And I just started flooding my mind with all of this, this new age consciousness, personal development transformation material. And within about three months, I felt me coming out of this deep, dark hole that I had dug myself in. And I thought, man, this is pretty cool. And I got hooked and started attending seminars of like Abraham Hicks and NLP and hypnosis and eventually access consciousness. And then I thought, well, how cool would it be to have a business where I actually help people come out of their own darkness and, and maybe do these workshops and seminars? So it all kind of just kept building and building and building to eventually I had two months of savings and a dream. I was still in the corporate world. And I said, screw it. I'm going to take the leap. Somehow, some way, I'm going to make this work. And so I uh, made the leap and you know, definitely wasn't a, hasn't been a comfortable journey by any means. Um, <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> but over the, over the last six years, I've just sort of continued to expand and evolve my work and my message and continue to let go of limitations, and it just keeps evolving. That's amazing. Yeah, no, consciousness and happiness are not for the weak at heart. <laughs> oh, my God, I know. I, if it were, everybody would be happy. <laughs> exactly. Everybody be happy and thin and in amazing relationships, having phenomenal sex and yeah. Yep. yeah. <laughs> Only the few. Oh, we're working on it. We've <laughs> we've got a lot figured out and there's lots more to come. Mm-hmm, for sure. Oh, that's awesome. Well, um that just about brings us to the end here. Um thank you so much for being on the show today, George. Yeah, my pleasure, Julia. Thanks for having me. It's a really, really, really awesome conversation. And it's, it's, uh, I think that the people listening uh, got some really good tools out of, of the conversation today. And just, just kind of a, a softer perspective of, of looking at these different things. And, uh, you know, you share a really, really neat journey. So thanks for being with us today. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. Awesome. All right. Thank you, everyone, for being on the call today. Um, next week we have Carlina Vanderway and her and I are going to be talking about creating bigger. So join us at four central standard time on a totally different reality.
Thanks. Bye-bye.